passion, drive, and patience. What brings home the winning trophy is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors is everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. From superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED lights, and more, whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to turn your car into the MVP and bring home that win. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. When Ryan when it's time to begin, it's on the rewind around with John Pollock and waiting the 18. That makes sense that these things we see in the ring every week on TV. It's rewind around for Monday night, download a Tuesday morning from the post wrestling site. It's rewind around for Monday night on USA now on the John and Wei take the mic. Hello, everybody. Welcome to Rewind a Raw. John Pollock and Waiting here with you on Monday night. How are you, Mr. Ting? I'm doing pretty good. Yourself? I'm doing well. It's been a busy day. It's a lot of news. It's a lot of stuff to discuss off of Raw. Uh, I think everybody is double-checking the back of their neck to make sure it's okay from attack. How are you? Um, <laughs> that's really funny. Yeah. Uh, I'm good. I'm good. Yeah. A lot better than Becky Lynch, that's for sure. I realize I asked you how you were doing twice in a row, but I just wanted to make sure, just to reinforce. It's a care. It's a, I appreciate that. You can't. You can never be too sure. Well, we don't have a lot of time to uh, to waste, so let's get into things. There's uh, there's much news, but uh, first off, I just want to start off with uh, what we have coming up on the site this week. Such a packed week. Uh, that I'm pulling up the schedule in front of me. We are very guest-heavy this week, Way. We're going to have a lot of guests on our various shows this coming week. On Tuesday night, it's going to be Wei Ting and Nate Milton that are going to be reviewing Black Panther. Uh, Nate will be uh, filling in for me, uh, doing a, a much better job that, than I would be doing uh, on this particular film review. But uh, I look forward to listening to this. I just... Uh, I had absolutely zero time to watch Black Panther. I'm just going to be fully honest. I, I did not have two hours and 15 minutes available to watch this movie. So I really have no other excuse than that for the reason I will not be on this show. It's it's totally understandable, John. And I'm I'm really looking forward to talking to Nate about it. But um, you have promised us that you will not only catch up by watching Black Pan- Panther, but you also have to watch Thor Ragnarok before we do Infinity War next month. Oh, is that? Oh, I, oh, I understand. So I have to watch both of those before the review that is next month. Okay, that's that's a lot of movies. I will, I, I will start now. I'll work on that. Oh, come on! You get through like seven hour like wrestling shows. You could fit in a two hour movie here and there. Yeah, but it doesn't mean that like the seven hours of wrestling disappears. It just means that there's this is in addition to all of that. So I, I've got a month. I did start Black Panther. And I got like 20 minutes in, and it looks like a fine film, but I realized I, there, there was no way I was going to watch and finish this thing by the time uh, the recording would take place. But that will be up uh, Tuesday night for our patrons at the Post Wrestling Cafe. So if you sign up for that, you will grab that show uh, Tuesday night 
with Nate Milton returning. Wednesday night, we've got our usual shows with Rewinded Dynamite with Way and I and Braden Harrington and Davey Portman with Up Next following the go-home edition of NXT leading into TakeOver Portland on Sunday. We fast forward to Thursday with the Cafe Hangout. We'll be live at 3 p.m. Eastern time for all patrons. And joining us this week is going to be friend of the show, Marcus Vanderberg. You know him from Yahoo Sports, from the Kings of Sport, everything sports. He is going to be chatting with us on Thursday. Uh, we're going to have him on. He's going to uh, talk to us a little bit about how the XFL kicked off this past weekend. And, and on Tuesday, he's going to be attending the WrestleMania press conference in Los Angeles, uh, which we will get to in the news. So Marcus will share uh, any tidbits from that press conference when he joins us Thursday. I look forward to chatting with uh, with Marcus. We've never had him on the Hangout before. Both Kings of Sport making appearances. It's a, uh, it's a very royal feeling that we've got this week. Friday night, it's Rewind to SmackDown with Way and I, again, for members of the Post Wrestling Cafe. And we will drop the latest edition this month of Post Pro Res with myself in WH Park and special guest Dylan Fox from the Eastern Lariat podcast. We're going to be chatting about the All Japan show that's going down as we speak uh, and probably uh, some other notes from that show, the uh, purchase by Cyber Agent of Noah and whatever else uh, comes up on that. So it's our our first Post Pro Res uh, in quite a while. So that will be coming out on Friday. Saturday, we have the Rocky Maivia picture show and... Nate Milton is diving into the it's the fast and furious era of Dwayne Johnson kicking off with this Saturday's review. Awesome. Great. And Looking he's going to be joined by uh, Joe Lewandowski and Joe two from the too fast Too forever fast and furious podcast. I, I mean, I, who better? I had, I mean, of course, there's a Fast and Furious podcast series. Um, wow, it looks, sounds like you got two experts. I'm looking forward to it. Like these seemed like the the creme de la creme of guests to chat about Fast and the Furious and the the impact, the Dwayne Johnson effect on that franchise. So that drops on Saturday for everybody on the website, and then we wrap up the week on Sunday where Thunderstruck will drop with WH Park and his guest Will Cooling, and they're going to be chatting Jushin Thunder Liger versus Black Tiger 2, a.k.a. Eddie Guerrero, from June of 1996. That should be a really great discussion. And Sunday night, Braden Harrington and Davey Portman are back with the NXT TakeOver Portland Post Show after the card, and we'll be running through that on the site. So no shortage of great shows uh, this week. Lots of guests coming your way, and you can catch all of it at postwrestling.com and postwrestlingcafe.com for our bonus shows that we'll be dropping this week. Sounds great. Exciting stuff. Let's move on over to the news because there is, uh, man, lots of stuff to talk about. We will start off with WrestleMania 37. WrestleMania goes Hollywood way. It was announced on Monday, and there will be a press conference on Tuesday that WrestleMania will be taking place next year on March the 28th from the new uh, SoFi Stadium in Inglewood, California. Uh, It's their first time in the L.A. market for WrestleMania since 2005. And I don't know if you've seen any of the the images of this stadium that is set to open in July, Uh, but this thing looks uh, unbelievable. Uh, The the art for it looks... Very impressive. So, um, really cool. Yeah, I was surprised to hear that it, it, it's been that long since WrestleMania was there. Um, so, wow. Uh, I'm sure. I'm sure it's. I mean, they've had SummerSlam, but you know, um, to see it in in a stadium that new and and that big will be really impressive. What's the capacity? 
Well, what's interesting about it is, is it's, uh, it's like 70,000, but they can expand it so it can hold up to 100,000 people. Like that's the um, it, it's kind of like the Saitama Super Arena that you can like alter it to fit different uh, seating capacities. So they could, in theory, um, inc- increase the, the number. Uh, it, it's typically, you know, you, you throw out the WWE number that they give you every time at WrestleMania. But, you know, typically you're talking about in the uh, the 62 to 65,000 range of what a WrestleMania is legitimately going to attract in that ballpark, unless it's a, an outlier. Right. So, uh, yeah, we'll, we'll see what they say at the press conference. But they did mention in the press release that, of course, it'll uh, feature uh, the Hall of Fame, SmackDown, Raw, TakeOver, all the usual uh, fare for next year in Los Angeles and uh, a warm climate for WrestleMania. So that's all. That's always a positive, much like uh, this year's in Tampa. I always prefer warm climates than uh, uh, New York, New Jersey, where you're getting out at, at two in the morning in the uh, in the rain, still waiting for your uh, bus. It's always a a Bennett bonus, yeah. Also going down, uh, New Japan has released uh, a bunch of their cards for the month of February. So these are, uh, include the the Tiger Hattori and Manabu Nakanishi retirement shows, as well as the New Japan Road cards. And we won't go through every single card, but uh, some of the highlights this month, uh, starting on February the nineteenth. That's the Tiger Hattori retirement ceremony. Um, the final match that he will officiate is Tetsuya Naito, Shingo Takagi, and Sonata against Okada, Tomohiro Ishii, and Hiroki Goto. The next night is the New Japan Roadshow, and that's going to feature two title matches, Rapongi 3K versus Ryusuke Taguchi and Rocky Romero for the junior heavyweight tag titles that was set up in Osaka on Sunday, and the main event way, Shingo Takagi, Tomohiro Ishii for the never openweight title. That's going to be amazing. Like, he's really burning through all these dream opponents pretty quickly, so... Uh, I'm surprised that they got they went to this one so soon, but uh, I guess Shingo's got like you know probably like five different programs waiting for him. So um, this run is is definitely looking to like I haven't been really this excited for a nev- never title championship in in a while. It's, it's I feel so awesome. Yeah, putting him in like main events of you know notable shows, and you know this one makes sense with uh, Ishii beating Evil right underneath Takagi's uh, defense against Goto. So the natural. Oh, match coming out of that that show in Sapporo. Then on Friday, February 21st, uh, their next night at Korokin, it's going to be headlined by the Gorillas of Destiny against Hiroshi Tanahashi and Kota Ibushi for the IWGP tag titles and the never six-man tag titles with Shingo Takagi, Evil, and Bushi against Ryusuke Taguchi, Colt Cabana, and Toru Yano. Uh, do you see Tanahashi and Ibushi uh, winning these tag titles? I think I do. Yeah, because... Um... That would add so much life to this tag division. I think there's that. I, I don't necessarily see G.O.D. being kind of ranked above either of them. So um, I, 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 I do see a total change. Uh, and then the Manabu Nakanishi retirement card is the last big show of February. Uh, happening on February 22nd. That's a Saturday. And Nakanishi's retirement match will be the main event. Teaming with Tenzan, Kojima, and Yuji Nagata against Kazuchika Okada, Hiroshi Tanahashi, Kota Ibushi, and Hiroki Goto. Cool. Yeah, going out with uh with your friends against the current it's, crop. Yeah, it's the dads versus the sons. Mm-hmm. So uh, should be a fun eight man tag, and then a big uh, send off for Nakanishi at the end. Who uh, knowing New Japan, this guy's going to eat the fall in his uh, in his retirement. 
Well, sure, yeah. I mean that that feels right to do, and but you know just the spotlight of like uh, having a what I'm assuming will be the main event of that particular show. Yes, just having a wonderful goodbye, I, I think will be really nice. And then they did confirm that uh, happening on March the fourth, the anniversary card Tetsuya Naito versus Hiromu Takahashi, which is uh, for many people that's going to be the um, the big match uh, over the next uh, couple of weeks. Uh, just a, a match that we've never seen before. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Brandy Rhodes did an interview on a Wrestling Observer Live today and talked pretty in depth about the Nightmare Collective and essentially her removal. Um, pretty much the end of this character that we pretty much took as the signal last week when she came out to uh, come to Cody's aid during the the lashing segment. And she spoke on the show today about kind of the the way this angle started. It was pretty much to be just her and Awesome Kong and doing the deal where they would cut the, the hair. And she pretty much said like Kong physically just ha- was having a lot of problems and they needed to add some bodies, and this thus became this this faction at the time, and that's where it grew into. And she said, you know, she was aware of the the negative comments a lot of the fan base had towards this angle, and she did not disagree. She was not feeling this angle either. Um, it didn't it, it seemed like there was some other input on, on the creative front that uh, she didn't seem to be all that on board with, and. This kind of was the end of it for for her, where they did post a video kind of uh, writing her out of this storyline and kind of just leaving it open-ended about what happens next with Luther and Mel, because it doesn't sound like they are ending those characters, just that uh, Brandy's involvement here is kind of the end of this nightmare collective, at least in its uh, current incarnation. I felt like this was about as close to, you know, a an admission that, hey, things weren't really working out as you might have, uh, you're probably going to get. From I guess somebody you know personally involved in in the in the storyline, and I don't think there's any shame in it at all. In fact, I think it's to be applauded that they're not afraid to cut bait when something isn't working. I think we we we've seen it with certain things AEW has done. Like I can't tell you the last time I've seen something involving the librarians, uh, even the Dark Order. I feel like they've altered up quite a bit from I think all the negativity that came off of that um, elite attack. Um, it feels slightly different. And in, in this case of that, the Nightmare Collective, it seems like um, if it's not working out, we move on. And, and they're listening to their fan base. Um, there's nothing to be ashamed of. What I am curious about is, you know, she mentioned how some of Kong's physical limitations kind of, you know, provided the need to add other members into the group. And it seems like now it's just going to be Mel and Luther together. Um Kong was written or at least uh, separated from the rest of the group, but is, is she, is that it for her? Is she going to be, you know, doing some sort of angle with Mel and Luther um, with her physical limitations? How much can she actually do? So, well, Kong was kind of written out to go back and, and film this last season of glow. So it's so probably it. um, at least for the time being, I, I don't know what you even bring Kong back to do. If it's, if it's a case where she's limited, physically and what she can do i mean is it do you just treat this right off as kind of that's it for kong yeah i mean if there's really no like there's no angle to come back to has she even had a match she's done the occasional match hasn't she like she did take like some pretty i think she might have like done a tag or something i i please i'm probably wrong but um she probably had at least something but um 
she did like she took physicality in that angle last week. So I'm sure she could still do a lot, but um, maybe not enough for like a full program. Uh, so yeah, maybe, maybe, maybe we shall see. Yeah, it was just interesting to see how um, you know putting Brandy out there today um, in an interview setting and pretty much just uh, addressing it, and you know that seemed to be the focus of why she was on the show today was to address this. She indicated she does she does not plan to talk about this uh, beyond this interview, which I I don't understand why it's uh, such a topic that it's uh, off limits. But whatever, yeah, it's just it's, annoying, I guess. You know, imagine like. Something doesn't really go the way that you planned, and then having to be like interviewed about it constantly. I, I find it to be a really interesting look into like the creative process. Like I would not sense this in a in a WWE angle where a chief character would go on and just kind of talk about the the failing of an angle, which is kind of what this was. It was the you know a failure. Mm-hmm. Uh, what else do we have? To, uh, on the AEW front, they've also announced uh, returns to Boston and Philadelphia in April for the April 15th and 22nd editions of Dynamite. These are the first two markets that they are going back to uh, that they ran in October for the second and third weeks uh, after the show launched. Uh, in Boston, they had drawn uh, 6,000 people their last time there. and Philadelphia, they drew 9,000. They sold out the venues the last time they were there. What kind of... Um, Repeat business? Do you see for for Dynamite uh, this many months in? Um, you know, from October and a turnaround in in April. Do you see similar demand for tickets? Do you see um, a, a softer response to when tickets go on sale? Um, you know, initially, I think there's always that first burst of like, you know, this is the first time this thing's going to be here. It's still really hot, but I would argue that it's. It's still a pretty hot product right now, and I especially I w- in the Northeast, like that Newark show is enormous, and mm-hmm. I, I think you're going to see that in these markets too. They've gotten into the habit of you know making special announcements for all of these shows ahead of time. So um, if they can make it special, if the programs are hot enough, I I think they'll do just as well. Um, so those are happening in April, and the tickets go on sale this Friday for both of those shows. They've also added for Dynamite this week, uh, Dustin Rhodes taking on Sammy Guevara and MJF versus Jungle Boy that they focused on during the uh, Road to Austin video that they put out today. Uh, that joins the Eye for an Eye match with John Moxley and Santana and the two title matches with uh, SCU challenging Hangman Page and Kenny Omega and Riho versus Nyla Rose. And I would say this week... Uh, Yes, NXT has their go-home edition, but I feel like Dynamite's got uh, a lot set up for this Wednesday. And I think the Moxley-Santana match, they did a really great job last week of setting that up. That's the show that I feel has the big buzz this week by a a long margin. The two main programs for Revolution, I think, are really heating up very well uh, in Moxley and Jericho. And, of course, the fallout from the the, the Cody-MJF lashing segment, which just was so spectacular and something that I think will will still get talked about for quite a bit. So the immediate aftermath of that, I think will be really interesting to watch. Did you see any of the, uh, the opening of the road to video where they took the, uh, the lashing angle and put some somber, uh, the somber song over top of it to really dramatic, dramatically impact the, uh, the effect of Cody and his facial reactions, slow motion replays, people running down in slow motion to his aid. I mean, they really put this thing over the top. I haven't. I haven't seen it, no. But, I mean, 
I mean, that scene felt like it was, you know, crafted for, like, it felt like it was something out of a movie. So um, I'm sure it, it came across pretty well in highlight form, too. Yeah, just a fantastic segment uh, from them, even this many days removed. Uh, and then what else do we have here? The WWE announced that 18-year-old Simone Johnson, the daughter of Dwayne Johnson, has reported to the WWE Performance Center. Now, she has been spotted there for a while. Uh, I remember when we were at WrestleMania last year, and she was there in the in, in the box with, like, the NXT people, like, one section over from us. So, I mean, I think she's been, like, in and around the Performance Center for quite a while, but this seemed to be the confirmation that they have signed her. She's in the system. But 18 years old, that is extremely young. It's really young to be deciding, you know, what you want to do for the rest of your life. But, I mean, if she's as dedicated as I think, you know, these reports seem to indicate, like, um, it's clearly something she's thought a long time about and wants to do. And certainly the WWE will be really happy to have her. The ability to just promote her, not just, you know, as the Rock's daughter, but a fourth-generation star. Um, if I, I, I don't know how she is at all in ring or, or on the microphone expectations are going to be really high unfortunately for her but then you look at somebody like charlotte you know who has to very much live up to that same legacy and she's done great so um and and she's going to be the prototype because you know you're starting from scratch in the wwe system which is not what i would advise most talent to go that direction but i mean charlotte is the the argument of like a great athlete who went there and she she progressed fantastic in that in that system, but I would say for a lot of people, it's being able to go all over the place and and then you land at, at, in WWE. But it's um, you know she's going she's going this path and it's going to be what about it's, what it, about the Rock himself? I mean, the, the Rock is uh, another one who he didn't go through the territories. You're, you're going to have your your exceptions. Um, you know, with with her though, it's like you're talking about someone. At least Dwayne had had the whole athletic background before that as well, going through uh, football and had been through college. And you know, you're talking about an an 18 year old. I, I don't know what her athletic background is up until this point, but you know, you are literally starting from scratch in the WWE's system and being brought up that way. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. And. Uh, just some news from the XFL this past weekend. We talked a little bit about this on uh, Sunday night, but uh, some ratings have come in from the weekend. Uh, the debut game on Saturday uh, afternoon did 3.3 million viewers on ABC, and it peaked with 4 million viewers uh, towards the end of the game. Uh, then later on Saturday night, the Los Angeles-Houston game on Fox did a 2.3 overnight rating, and then the uh, the Sunday games, we had uh, St. Louis and Dallas doing 2.5 million viewers on ESPN, and I don't know if there's a, a number yet for the uh, the second uh, the second Sunday game. Uh, I don't think there's a, a rating yet, at least not not handy here. All of the games apparently did over like 17,000 people at the various stadiums, so it seemed like it was overall like met pretty positively this week, and the focus becomes. Of this audience that tuned in this week, you had the natural curiosity, and there seemed to be a healthy amount of it. What is the what? what how many people come back next weekend? Because um, mm-hmm. it did seem like it was generally positively received this weekend. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Um, how, how, what number do you think like these networks would be happy with? 
for week two. Well, I mean, the comparison in all the stories was to the uh, the AAF last week, the, uh, last year that debuted, and their first game, which was in prime time, not in the afternoon, did 2.9 million viewers on CBS. So uh, this past weekend's afternoon uh, launch did higher than that. I would say that these numbers are respectable numbers. If they can, if they can stay uh, above. 2.5 million viewers, especially for those afternoon games. I think that that would be, you know, for network television on an afternoon, I, I think you'd be somewhat satisfied with, with that. It's a totally different world than what we we're talking about with the XFL, the, the first version of this, where they, they debuted to like monstrous numbers and then had the big drop off that today, I mean, they would they would kill for some of those numbers, but it's a totally different landscape now. So I mean, the television viewers, to me, that is that is going to be the success or failure of this league, not so much whatever they can draw at these stadiums. It's providing that you have an audience that is willing to watch football outside of the NFL for a sustained period of time. And I think it's um, I think week one has to be viewed uh, very positively. Mm-hmm. Do you think you'll watch any uh, XFL uh, at any point this season? I don't think so. Um, I don't even know how I would watch it. So probably not just on, Oh, you, you could get it on TV. Yeah, probably not. Okay. Well, I'm just saying it's, it's possible you could, you could watch it. You just don't have an interest in, in watching it, which I can understand. When you watch Thor Ragnarok, I'll watch an XFL game. <laughs> I, I don't need you to watch uh, an XFL game, but this will obviously be a, uh, a big story to watch uh, throughout this season. And uh, the final thing here, uh, we have the the list of participants up on the website for the uh, Champion Carnival, uh, which will be starting in April. Uh, maybe the most interesting note, uh, Davy Boy Smith Jr. will be part of the, uh, the carnival uh, this year and a really stacked lineup of participants. So we'll go into that more uh, later this week on uh, Post Pro Res. But the whole list of the 18 participants is up at postwrestling.com. Lots of news. Uh, so go catch up on all of it up on the website. So let's go to raw from Monday night, Ontario, California at the Toyota arena. And we started things off with Seth Rollins in the ring with AOP and just Murphy, just Murphy. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I said this on SmackDown. I don't mind the name change at all. You know, it, it Murphy sounds at least a little bit cooler than buddy Murphy. Although we're so used to buddy by this point. He sounds like the main sidekick to the bad guy in your like '90s action film. Oh, for sure. Yeah, he definitely sounds like he's um, hey Murphy. Yeah, yeah, Murph. I I I really don't care so much about the the name changes. What I crave is the discussion that went on that led to the name change. That's that's the money. That's what I want to hear. Like, was there a, a debate about? Well, God damn it! Who's who's gonna boo this guy if he's their buddy? He's no one's buddy. I, I'm, it probably went something like that, I would assume. And where does it come from? Just out of no, like this guy. It's not like this guy's been on TV for two or three weeks as Buddy Murphy. He's he's been on on their television since for for how long? When you include NXT, I mean, you're going back years. I feel like usually it comes when it, it seems like somebody is getting a push which means like Vince is actually paying attention to you. And sometimes I feel like these are good signs. You know, it shows that Vince at least cares enough to, you know, uh, right. Know what your name is even. 
I mean, AOP, I don't think they have too many letters to, to give out at this point. They lo- they, they're no longer authors of pain. They're just AOP. But maybe maybe that, maybe they'll be like the, the AP. They'll be the Associated Press or something. They could lose a letter. Hmm. So Seth has his arms extended. He's in this jacket with some fur on it. This was quite the, um, the stylistic choice. And a hair bun. And a hair bun. Like just everything to try and infuriate people. He said his patience is running thin with Kevin Owens and his friends, and they have a message of unity that they would like to share. Owens comes out, and Rollins reminds him of the injuries they delivered to Samoa Joe and Ivar, and Owens says that he's just going to keep fighting, but he is not alone. And out come the Viking Raiders to join him, and they charge the ring. Rollins is left alone as the others all brawl, and this is the setup for Samoa Joe to make his return, entering the ring from behind, applying the coquina clutch until the AOP stop Joe, and then Kevin Owens hits Murphy with the stunner, and they clear out the ring as the baby faces uh, chase off the heels. And that concluded our first segment uh, with Becky Lynch coming out as our transition. Yeah, Rollins now, I mean, outside of, you know, the changes in his look, he's he's really playing into the whole Messiah thing. He stands out here with his hands extended uh, like Christ, uses words like martyr and disciple. And um, sometimes I think it's almost a little, a bit over the top too much, you know? A, a bit. Little, yeah. I, I, fi- I find it to be like aggravating in like a non-heel way. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's just kind of taking a concept and making it into a cartoon and a caricature rather than something a bit more nuanced. Either, but I will say, like, I'm, I'm, I'm happy at least to see a, a character change and some sort of evolution from Seth after all these years of, I think, playing that you know a very similar type of whiny guy. At least he's trying something new, so I give him that. Um, crowd reacted really well to Samojo's return. This, of course, also being California. That's right as well. Yeah, I, I don't know. I'm, I'm kind of out right now on a definitive reaction on Seth Rollins. I, I think his stock is significantly dropped from where he was like this to me is not he, he does not he's feel like a main event heel for he, me right now well he's better now than when he was a baby face a few mm. months ago i don't know oh i definitely like him better now uh he's not getting i, I think he's getting a more of a desired reaction but to me he feels he does not feel like a main event guy at the moment to me he didn't feel like an effective main event baby face before uh, I, I think he, I think there was a period last year where he definitely did. Not for a while. Becky is out and this is our rematch with Oscar who cut a promo on the way to the ring and they promote that later on tonight, Rhea Ripley will be on the show and they had a really lengthy match here. Uh, Kyrie Sane distracted at one point on the apron, leading to a hip attack, sending Becky to the floor, uh, Becky fought back afterwards. Oscar landed a knee to the face and, Kyrie shoved Asuka out of the way and took this forearm from Becky as she came off of the apron. Uh, they ended up going through two commercial breaks, and the second commercial was set up with an inverted DDT delivered to Asuka on the edge. Afterwards, we get a superplex from Asuka. She gets a two-count, goes for the arm bar, then into a triangle that Becky powerbombs out of. She missed a leg drop off the turnbuckle, and then the Asuka lock is applied. Becky gets out of that, and they go into this fast Rapid fire sequence of pins with each kicking out and ending with Becky hitting this big urinagi onto Asuka and getting the pin at 18 minutes and 51 seconds. I thought uh, a really strong match from the two of them. I thought this match was great. It was a really impressive sprint. 
stylistically, I found it very different from your typical typical WWE match. It felt, at least like in the women's division, you know, it felt as if these two, I would say, like went out there to wrestle the type of match that they actually wanted to wrestle. It was just fast action, no time to rest, which I loved uh, and was kind of shocking for me to see on Raw. Asuka now, two weeks in a row, I think has delivered like really stellar matches. I would say like, um, so some might say show stealing matches. The la- match last week with, with Natalia was great, but you know, didn't wasn't met with much of a that big of a crowd reaction. But I I found it pretty uh, acclaimed online. It was a stiffer match than this one, but the pace of this one was faster. So um, it it feels to me like Asuka, at least for the time being, is able to like wrestle closer to her pen- to her potential on Raw than she has in the past uh, several months. You know, Becky, I'm not the biggest fan of her in ring. But I thought she was able to keep up really well with Asuka here. And she brings uh, just, you know, so much crowd engagement that, you know, the fans were really into this one, reacted well for everything, much more than the the Natalia match last week. So it was a quality of match I really didn't expect to see on Raw, and I was pleasantly surprised. Yeah, I I thought this was uh, definitely the strongest match on the show tonight. Got a lot of time. Um Audience was with it, too. I think it helped uh, being this long of a match doing it early as opposed to late in the show. And, and it helped that so, it was Becky. Yeah, yeah. These these two worked uh, really, really well together here. Uh, so afterwards, Becky has, like, won this war, and she's standing in the ring, and Shayna Baszler appears and attacks Becky from behind. She gets on top of her with punches on top, applies the Kirifuda clutch, and then releases it to just drop Becky onto the mat. And she proceeds to take out her mouthpiece. And then she climbs on top of Becky. And her teeth come down as she bites the back of Becky's neck. And when she comes out up, she looks like a vampire that has just feasted on this woman's flesh. She's got blood all over her face. Becky's back of her neck has blood all coming out of it. And... Becky is freaking out afterward, yelling, Jesus Christ, Jesus Christ, uh, which kind of mirrored my words to, to this angle as well. If you were to ask me, what are what are the 10 likely scenarios of kicking off Becky Lynch and Shayna Baszler for WrestleMania? <laughs> I don't know if this would have made my my top million, but here we are. Um, first of all, uh, what did you think of the angle? I will start there. I didn't like the ankle at all. Um, I thought it was really ridiculous in theory and totally out of line with Shayna Baszler's character. Um, and above all but that, like zero, zero connection. Like this is someone that has been handed Shayna Baszler and has not watched a second of her character and all the little things, she, like everything about this character that this segment was the polar opposite of somebody who took a look at her and thought, ah, she looks like a vampire. Um, uh, it just and above all, it just looked really damn fake. I know, like fake blood is all the rage these days. We saw it with the Fiend. We saw it with Britt Baker. Sometimes it works. Did not work for me here. Like it, damn, it was so damn bright and just so abundant. And above it all, I thought Becky selling was really bad. Like this, this her selling of this potentially fatal wound that might have been like probably on her. In, in fairness to her, I don't know how you sell. Uh, a portion of your neck being essentially bitten. Like, she, what, what What did she do here? Like, she was talking this way was too so much. so silly. She was like, she was selling it as if Will Ospreay was, would have sold it two years ago. 
And I think Osprey's gotten over this type of thing. But, like, I, I, I think, you know, performance at this level for an angle like this requires a lot more, I think. Um, uh, certainly not over-the-top screaming, take it easy, all right? Like, who would say that? What, what, what would your re- response be? Like, seriously, I don't know how I you would, would start the faint. I would, I would like, you know, I wouldn't say that much at all. Becky was talking way too much. Like, her selling, I thought, was way too over the top to the point that I thought it was cringeworthy. And what made it worse was that the announcers were giving it the silent treatment as they give all of their serious angles. You know, like we saw with Edge and Norton. And I thought that just made it worse. It just highlighted, I think, I don't know, how, how ridiculous it all looked. But you can't sell this like Edge getting hit with the concerto. Like, you're not unconscious. Like, you've been attacked and bitten yeah i'm not saying sell it like you're unconscious but i definitely wouldn't have you know been as vocal and as becky is um i don't even know what the real answer is but i don't think it was this you know i just thought these two were put in such a strange like i'm trying to get into their head that i think they wanted to do something shocking okay to introduce shana and they didn't feel that the Kira Fuda clutch and choking her unconscious would be shocking enough. I'm trying to play devil. Well, then you, uh, what I would suggest was would be to watch a videotape of Mike Tyson biting Evander Holyfield's ear and watching that reaction. And I certainly didn't hear Evander Holyfield screaming, oh, Jesus Christ. Oh, Jesus Christ. Take it easy, will you? <laughs> oh, my God. What, would like, it have what, been so hard? Like, to me... This is really simple that Shayna like mounts her and just beats the shit out of her and we just and, and her face is bloody. What, what like, and that what to me hell? would have been a great visual. Shayna has a spot built in for this exact angle with the arm breaking. What would have been so bad about that? I think they want they wanted blood here. They wanted they wanted some visual to be very shocking for for the audience, but this to me was just so over the top and it just so counter to Shayna Baszler, who she what has set, separated her in NXT is that she doesn't engage in any of the sports entertainment bullshit. Like this is a character that's different from everybody else, and this was her introductory program where she's got to have fangs and gnawing at flesh of her victims. I was just my god, she's gonna be like, uh, like one of those characters that is like a, an animal by the time we're like two months into this. That would be worst case scenario. I mean, this could just be, I think, you know, their way of, I don't know, getting people talking. And certainly people are talking about it. If that was their intent, then great, great job. Well done. Um, It just kind of took me right out of it from the beginning. And I thought both for, like, Shayna, you know, certainly she was handicapped. But I didn't think Becky's performance added to it at all. So uh, Becky is freaking out and... Afterwards, she is tended to backstage. She doesn't want to go to the hospital. As she, I love this line. She just explains to them, "It's just a flesh wound." Oh, what? Man. It's just a flesh wound. I hope Maybe that's the slogan for WrestleMania. Like they, they spent the whole segment here uh, of Becky refusing to go to the hospital, as if to show how tough she is. But she ended up going to the hospital anyway, didn't she? Yes. But she was going to drive herself. She didn't need a designated driver. Is it so weak to have an ambulance driver drive you to the ambulance that they couldn't have their, you know, lead female babyface succumb to that? Well, no, she was, uh, she was exercising the uh, her her healthcare plan that she could go 
get a tetanus shot and be back in record time. And it would be, there would be no wait time at the hospital. So it was really, uh, it was really a status, a status move. Uh, job, well, job well done to Becky. It, does she, so this is private healthcare, I guess, as it, a independent contractor. She's an independent contractor. Yeah. So maybe right. she has like, uh, you know, I, I wonder if she's voting, if she's leaning Bernie or elsewhere. So if you drove your own ambulance, do you still have to pay for that ambulance? Oh, that's a great question. Um, would she have to foot the bill for that? Or was that on the company? Like the company had a an ambulance like that they would have to have on site. You know, um, <laughs> my point is the fact that they like spent this whole time to even shoot that. I, I, I wasn't exactly sure like what the logic was. Like, to show that Becky is so tough, she should be driving her own ambulance? Yes. She doesn't need help from anybody. Then she shouldn't need to go to the hospital, period. Well, she acknowledged she had to go to the hospital. She had a chunk of her skin caught in Shana's teeth. I guess so, but I I think it's such a small, silly, insignificant thing to even need to address that somebody, you know, should... Like, that it would be a sign of weakness to be driven to the hospital. It's just it, they love their baby faces driving vehicles. It's a yeah. it's a it's a go to for them, and then they oh. they arrive back at the building in the uh, driving. That's a lot of traffic in California, no less. Yeah, like I would no. think, like this is probably. I mean, maybe it was right around the corner. Did, did she yeah, come back she in even, the same? Did, did she, she have to pay know for the parking? Way. Did she get the same ambulance to come back, or did she have to get into another ambulance? Um, probably. I don't know. Maybe yeah, they must have rented it to her twice. But how how would she even know where the ambulance was, or sorry, where the hospital was? Yeah, she better not have been like on her phone while she was driving. That would be really dangerous. I don't think she would have had her phone. She was like in her ring gear. That's right. Yeah. So maybe she just drove around for a while. I mean, she knew she had like two and a half hours until she had to get back here, and maybe. Maybe she just like rolled the, rolled the window down and was like uh, asking pedestrians which way to the hospital as they watched this crazy woman in wrestling gear with a, a flesh wound in the back of their neck asking for directions. Or she could have just let the ambulance driver do his damn job and drive her to the to the hospital. I mean, really. By you pointing move. this out, she she definitely created way more work for herself by being stubborn. Oh, definitely. Mojo Rawley and Riddick Moss versus the Street Profits. The Street Profits cut a promo saying that Mojo Rawley rode Rob Gronkowski's coattails. This line got no reaction from this crowd. They started the match. There was a spinebuster and a splash that the Street Profits called the cash out. And they won in 49 seconds pinning Riddick Moss. So Mojo is upset with Moss and then as he's left in the ring, Moss cradles him and pins Mojo to win the 24-7 title, which was suspended during the match, but afterward, it was fair game. So Riddick Moss ran through the crowd with the 24-7 title, and what a, what a launch this is to the next chapter of the 24-7 lineage. Yes, yes, yes. So, um, yeah, Riddick Moss getting his name up there on a Wikipedia page. Um Adding um, former WWE champion to his credentials, great. That's cool. 
Um, yeah, it's just the same old, same old, isn't it, with this 24-7 title. It's just a different person. MVP is back uh, this week, and he's hosting the MVP Lounge. And he says that he never should have left. And <laughs> I love this line. His guest tonight single-handedly, or should I say single-leggedly, eliminated Brock Lesnar. And his guest is Drew McIntyre, who comes down, and we've got the two security guys to enter the uh, into enter the lounge, and Drew just knocks these assholes over and walks past them. Yeah, I mean he's big. He is. I guess. I guess this is uh this is the way they're going with, with Drew, kind of like the uh, the high school jock. Yeah, pretty much. Vince is, um, you know archetype MVP says that these two go way back and Drew says sorry every time someone says Wrestlemania I have to point to the sign so he's almost making a joke out of this this sign pointing deal MVP tells Drew to focus on the prize and don't listen to all those people talking behind your back Uh, MVP then mentions that there's some who believe he's not ready to be champion but those people are unimportant we're going to change that and Drew says What's this about we? Did we win the Royal Rumble? And MVP notes that his in-ring days might be over, but Drew McIntyre needs someone like him, uh, essentially, to be his manager. And he starts healing on the crowd. Drew says, I don't need an external brain thinking for him, or someone talking for me, or a business partner kissing his ass. And MVP says, I only kick ass. And this leads to Drew hitting him with the Glasgow kiss and then doing the countdown that everyone got into, and he hit the Claymore, sending MVP flying over the couch, and then Drew did his uh, his ball and move to end the segment. I, I thought Drew was really great in this segment. There is a lot of um, this kind of role as the, the big baby face going into WrestleMania um, that the audience, uh, maybe for some, were not ready for at the Rumble. Uh, I think that's a tough role to be in, and I, I think Drew has done very well in these non-wrestling segments that people are getting into this guy. I think so too. The reactions were very strong, even just upon entrance here. Um, even just upon mention of him was, has been really strong. So I thought the segment was great. I thought MVP was awesome. You know, the last appearance he had again in, in a match against Rey Mysterio, I thought was a good performance from MB- MVP. I, but I, it didn't leave me thinking that there was a role for him on this current roster. But seeing him talk here, do a segment like this, like the the I think the higher level of acting that he he demonstrates here compared to I think the vast majority on this roster, I definitely feel like there's a role for him as a mouthpiece and maybe even occasional wrestler on this roster. He was great. Not only he was in, very good. Not only in like his slow building uh, of like you know antagonism of the crowd, Andrew. Like he started off kind of as a babyface, so that but then like would drop like really subtle things to you know piss off the crowd and then eventually piss drew off um i thought he sold his physicality really well as well you know not just taking the glasgow kiss but then doing the fall over the couch with the with the with the uh, claymore it, it it was great this i thought was a much more effective week for drew than last to me um unlike last week with, with mojo i thought drew's victim really generated heat and really made you want to see drew like beat the shit out of him which i can't really say for mojo last week there's definitely a role for MVP on air as 
some kind of mouthpiece for somebody, even doing this MVP lounge segment until they uh, find, you know, a potential role for him. I, I think that you definitely have something with MVP. He did not. It, it really felt like he had some some leeway too in his promo. It did not sound like WWE speak. It very much sounded like him. And mm-hmm. I think that that's uh, that, that's a rarity at, at times. Like he sounded like. Uh, a, a normal individual. He sounded like MVP here, and I think that's very important to have in this kind of a role. So, yeah, I, I would definitely be exploring this more. And let's just let's just cut to the chase and get this guy with Bobby Lashley. Oh man, that's a great idea. Yeah, um, I mean, I'm sure, like on some level, this might have been sort of an audition for the guy. Um, you know, I'm sure they were looking at it like that. I'm sure he was certainly performing like it was. I think he definitely like he knocked it out of the park. Yeah, and you know it it helped Drew McIntyre a lot in this segment, so I think that's a real positive for MVP. Um, uh, both guys I thought came off off really well during this segment, and that that countdown thing, as silly as it is, that crowd just loves doing that countdown. Man, it works, dude. Like it I thought works. it was so it was so stupid. Simple, yep, it is. It, it was so stupid, but like I've said before, we are stupid people. Like humans are just dumb. We just we you you lead us to to the slaughter, we'll follow, man. Um. But you know, W it's part of like WWE's thing. You know, um, Sean has his stomping, Hogan has like the cupping of the ear. Uh, now I I see Alistair Black trying to do it as well with like as he lifts with somebody for the Black Mass, he's lifting his arms as well to like I guess get the crowd into it, and that might work too. Angel Garza was out with Zelina Vega, and they were set to take on Cedric Alexander, and they recapped the attack of Rey Mysterio, and no real update on. Rey Mysterio beyond showing the angle um, um, and and not on TV tonight. Yeah. Um, hear anything? No, I, I don't know what the what the story is. Like he was, um, you know, they, they did the angle last week that would suggest that he's going to be off TV for uh, at least some period of time because it's the same thing you did with Andrade. So I would imagine both are going to be off for what well, we know Andrade's off for what, at least another two weeks. So maybe mm-hmm. Ray comes back at some point around then, but it seems like he would be coming back for like Ray. You have coming back for angel Garza at this point. Yeah. Yeah. So eventually, um, so they recap the attack. Umberto Carrillo ran out to attack Garza and he's pulled off by officials. And then we get into the match with Cedric Alexander Alexander did get some offense here. He got caught on his baseball slide drop kick and is driven onto the floor. There's a springboard into a drop kick from Garza. Pants come off and the wing clipper for the win in two minutes and 36 seconds. Can't say this was much of a match this week, uh, certainly compared to last. Uh, but, you know, decent second appearance for Garza. I feel like they've really figured it out with Humberto. They're keeping his appearances very short and full of fire. And Humberto's been doing a really good job with that. It's, and I think that's been working well. Um, I can't say this at this point is like a super hot program, but it's 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 a fine debut. Charlie was backstage with Rhea Ripley, and she's not waiting for anything from Charlotte Flair. She gets what she wants. They plug the match with Bianca Belair for Sunday, and then in walks Sarah Logan, which ended with Rhea Ripley asking, "Who are you?" Which, yeah. in fairness, there were probably several viewers asking the same question Rhea Ripley was. Yeah, yeah. Um, she started it off by saying, I'm Rhea Ripley. 
who are you? Um, Sarah never answered her until she got out of the yes. Of the yes, front. it was it I was guess, a delayed introduction. I guess I was just watching this and seeing Rhea Ripley in a segment like this, and I just it it was immediately apparent to me that I wasn't watching NXT Rhea Ripley, like I was watching WWE Raw Rhea Ripley, like I was watching mm, the form of Rhea Ripley, maybe like um I don't know a clone of of Rhea Ripley. Um, but like with the brain of somebody else, like an oh, alien, they, like an alien, like impersonating Rhea Ripley who can shapeshift and doing well, a there, Rhea there was a line later that was just brutal that we'll, we'll get to with uh, with raw Ripley, as we'll call her raw Ripley. Great. Uh, they promoted Bailey and Carmella for this Smackdown uh, this Friday on Smackdown in Vancouver. They're in Canada this week. Yeah, yeah. I think next week Raw is in Winnipeg, actually. Oh, they're doing a whole uh, Canadian tour. Wow. Yeah. Cool. Bobby Lashley and Lana were with Sarah Schreiber backstage. Lana told Sarah to have some respect, cut a promo on Ricochet, who's facing Lashley tonight, said that Ricochet got lucky, stole the win, and Lashley is going to reintroduce Ricochet to reality and doesn't think he will make it to Super Showdown. They also kept pointing out um, how Ricochet stole Bobby's dream, his dream of facing Brock Lesnar. They brought that up, or at least Lana brought that up several times. So it definitely makes me mm, feel like they're, they'll be getting to that match at some point. So Sarah Logan comes out to introduce herself to everybody. She is Sarah Logan and challenged Rhea Ripley. So Ripley comes out, followed by Charlotte Flair, who proceeded to watch the match on the ramp. And Ripley is constantly watching Charlotte as she hits Sarah with these short arm clotheslines and wins with the riptide in 39 seconds. So that was Sarah Logan. So, so Ripley. So, so, so sorry, there was that. But like Sarah Logan also said, beyond I'm Sarah Logan, she also said, I'll defend my turf by any means necessary. As if like, like, is she like an actual wolf? Is she like a human? Not, not anymore. Wolf? That gimmick's been taken by, by Shayna. Shayna's the, the animal. <laughs> I guess so. Yeah. Maybe, maybe Shane is going to have like a faction of like, um, like, uh, the four wolf men, wolf women. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. They're like going to be, uh, from the wild. They'll just, uh, attack their opponents. Like, uh, like prey. Yeah. There'll be something like the, the rabid hyenas or something. So, Ripley asks Charlotte for an answer, and uh, there was like this painful line that Ripley is going to call her a royal pain in the, and Charlotte cuts her off, and it was just so goofy. So bad. So bad. Oh, she was going to say ass. Oh, I hate these lines. Just the worst. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Yeah. I mean, it's one of those things that I think on paper might look okay, but like in execution, it just it it, it just feels so forced and so unnatural. You've got to slow down your delivery too, so it's like you're such a royal pain in the. Whoa, 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 John! God. Anyway, so no answer. We got to get through the match on Sunday, and then this program can officially uh. I guess start building. The the you dialogue know? really really was awful. 
Um, yeah, it was bad. Very bad here. Yeah. yeah. Uh, they did the uh, the LA announcement for WrestleMania with the tagline of WrestleMania goes Hollywood. So that's going to be the, the theme of next year's WrestleMania. Well, we I know every, every, everybody's looking forward to uh, potential parody trailers, you know, which I hope they bring back. Uh, yeah, I would think that um, with, with such ideas like the Irish man and um, <laughs> dives out. I mean, I think maybe they could uh, they, they should have a fresh batch by by next year, you would think, um, mm. you know, you could uh, Shayna Baszler could play a parasite maybe after her angle tonight. Yeah, sure. Um, or like, you know, Twilight, one of those. Charlie is with Ricochet. And Ricochet said, I have never backed down from a fight before, and I don't plan to tonight. It's been my dream to become WWE champion for the last 17 years. This, they just think of me as this scrawny kid. Well, this scrawny kid has something that's going to make him last longer than anybody ever. I don't know what that meant. The crowd was drowning him out with a Rusev Day chant. And he says, no one, not even Bobby Lashley, will stop him from walking, limping, or crawling into Super Showdown. Yeah, yeah. Um, the whole time I was watching this, like, you know, they often do these, like, interviews in Gorilla right before the guys come out. And I have to imagine how nerve-wracking this might be because you have to recite all these lines on live TV, probably right in front of Vince all your other bosses are sitting like, you know, inches away from you. Maybe they all have to do that anyway when they get pre-produced, but who knows. But anyway, um, not a tough, ta- uh, not an easy task for Ricochet to to get through, I think, all, all of this. He's like, it's coming out fine. Doesn't make you feel a thing, though. You know, that's just sort of next level, I guess. There was a, there was a tweet on sometime on Monday where some fan asked, why isn't WWE using Ali anymore? And some fan responded, he can't cut a promo. And Ricochet quote tweeted it and wrote, nah, that's me, homie. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, it's... Points um, for self-awareness, I guess. He recognizes it's a weakness. But, you know, who who can, like... I guess you have to be pretty special in order to, like, um, be able to... It's it's hard to do, like... These WWE style promos are hardly for everyone. Like some people can adapt. This guy cannot. It's yeah. very, it, I, I'm sure naturally in his own everyday conversation, he's probably a, a, a great personality, but mm-hmm. this, this is not the arena for it with these like 60 second WWE promos. Like they're just, they don't, they just don't mix well with him. And who's the guy who said Ali couldn't cut a promo? He's like one of the best promos that that they no, have. I, that it's a that's a crazy criticism of Ali. Oh my god! Yeah, Ali's great. Uh, Charlotte's going to be on backstage Tuesday night, and they state that Becky is on her way back to the arena. Randy Orton comes out and he takes his time getting into the ring, and he says he still owes an explanation for what he did to Edge, and he goes to say that it hurt him more than it did Edge, which is. It's got to be factually untrue uh, in storyline. Matt Hardy interrupts him. 1999 Matt comes out, and he wants to know why Randy did it. And he said, everyone here knows the story of the history between me and Edge. And there was part of me that started thinking, 
does everybody know the history? Because that that is 15 years ago that that happened. And I got my answer because this crowd started chanting for Lita right after this. And I don't know if that's a good sign or a sign of like, your audience has just gotten older and they all remember this stuff from 15 years ago. Yeah, yeah. Um, I, I, I suppose this was like such a a big story at the time and such a part of, I think, both men's connection to each other that if I... you were around then. Yeah, but they also, like, I mean, TLC is even older than that, and that's something they always, you know, harken back to. Um, yeah, but th- th- this Edge Matt Hardy story, I mean, when, when was the last time they have brought that up? To, to a viewer that may have started watching WWE in the last few yeah. years. Well, I don't doubt that, like, you know, th- maybe those people were, were probably a little confused, but... Nonetheless, it's like it's it's not one of those stories. That, like, what was he so, supposed to have said here? Yeah, Edge and I have history where he cheated on my uh, on my uh, longtime girlfriend in real life, and uh, like, it, there's really no time to get into all that, right? Like, if you want this to sound like a realistic dialogue, you kind of have to like infer that people know what what no, what, what I, is between these two. No, and and I, and I don't even disagree that at times like. I argue about like spoon feeding your audience. Like to me, if anything, if you don't know what this story is, well, you can now go and figure that out for yourself here. But I, I do think it's, it's more so just, it confirms like this idea though, that your audience, when you look at the average viewing age, like it's just gotten older and that is your audience right now. It is not, I, I think it's more so like there aren't that many fans that probably are unaware of this, which tells you about new fans you're not creating in my opinion. I think the challenge is to even keep the the older fans now at this point. Well, they're chanting for Lita here, and he continues on. He says that there was one time where there was no one on earth that Matt Hardy hated more than Edge. But at one time, they were best friends with Christian and Jeff Hardy, and the four of them, they would share hotel rooms to save money. They wanted to live their dreams, and they revolutionized the ladder match at No Mercy in 1999. And the crowd starts chanting TLC. He mentions how they invented the match, but they didn't do it alone. They did it together, the four of them, and uh, I guess with uh, the Dudleys as well. He said his pain and disdain for Edge was all gone after Edge retired because the two of them have a similar passion for this industry, and he could not imagine if this was taken away before he was ready. And throughout the years, Edge would always ask, what if, what if? And then he made this miraculous return at the Royal Rumble, and Randy took it away, and he asks, what in the hell is wrong with you? And Randy goes to hit him with the RKO, but Matt fights him off, drills him with the microphone, and fights back. Orton then shoves him out of the corner, hits the RKO, and then proceeds to get two chairs, brings them into the ring, and lays out Matt with a concerto. And first of all, awesome, awesome promo from Matt Hardy, and... I thought Randy Orton's reaction was was great too in in all of this. Like Randy is just in in his zone right now, but this was a phenomenal uh, segment from Matt Hardy, and I really wonder if this was designed to be potentially the last we see of Matt Hardy. I wonder too. Yeah, because I mean, I feel like one of these things you you don't really come back from. Um, even in he three, can't come back weeks. before Edge does. Like if, if no. Edge is out this amount of time, like. Matt's got to be. This is like the the Rey Mysterio angle last week after Andrade. Like you did this angle um, where you have the precedent. So I I wonder if this is kind of one of those things where if 
he doesn't end up resigning, then this is our write-off of him. If it's a write-off, I mean, what a way to go out for Matt Hardy. I think de- delivering the best promo he's cut in years. Certainly, I would say the most significant thing he's done in this in a very long time in this company. Um, I don't know. Would you say like that ultimate deletion? I thought this was better than that. I thought this was better. This was such a different kind of promo. Like those, those were were so different. Like this to me was uh, this was just a a great, great promo from when when, when I say when I say ultimate deletion, I'm talking about the Bray Wyatt thing, not like the stuff he did in TNA. Like I. I, I, I can't really think of anything outside of that initial pop he got at WrestleMania that I I really think back to as anything significant in Matt Hardy's WWE run. And I right. thought this was this was amazing. This was like hard. Like this whole show, I thought, like with the standouts to me were, at, at least promo-wise, it was certainly the veterans. Between MVP, between Matt Hardy, like I don't know if it's the fact that they have, you know, a bit more leeway to go out there and make their own verbiage or or if they're just that much better at like reading vince's words i don't know or or whoever the writer's words are but like they they definitely shined um great performances all around i wonder at this point who else will get involved certainly if it's like a story of orton going after all of these guys well i mean come on we got to see christian show up at some point um what you know devon's back there What, what what is the status of jeff hardy at the moment oh i guess i guess he's not really doing anything with wrestling, but yeah. yeah, I mean, Jeff's still recovering from that, uh, from the surgery he had, uh, last summer, but he could be utilized here. Like Christian, I don't think he's going to do anything physical. So I, I no. would be surprised if Christian had any involvement in the lead up to this, but doing, um, a promo segment with Christian seems like a no brainer. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. And like, you know, they need a lot of stuff to, to drag out the weeks. And I think going through with that whole roster, like it would be weird for Christian not to do something. It would be weird for Beth not to maybe even have an interaction at some point. Um, not yeah, to say like, like, like you, you should. Get... Yeah. You yeah. should have the procession of people until edge is ready to come back. And when he does, that's going to be an enormous pop when edge finally comes back. Um, mm-hmm. if you build this up for a while, um, like keep him off long enough that people are are doubting he's coming back. Um, hopefully you can get that with your audience. Um, At this, this point, just keep, tremendous. Just, just keep feeding Randy because he's just like he's he's on fire right now. So, d- discussing Matt Hardy because I don't know when he'll he'll come up again. Um, you know, with with his deal, you know, coming up soon. I mean, it's can you could could you imagine like a, a scenario like he's going to get an enormous offer to stay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it's like, you know what? It's I, I I don't know if I would be able to walk away from that kind of an offer that he's going to get at his age in this thing. Like that is that is an enormous uh, passion you have for your creative freedom uh, to walk away from whatever the company is going to offer him, which I would think would be probably just like a phenomenal, phenomenal offer on paper for this stage of his career to be receiving. Certainly, you know, it's, um, you know, it's, it's talking about, well, we don't know how much AEW is willing to offer him, right? Um, I guess if they have, I I can't, I can't imagine it's going to be near what WWE is. I would be shocked. Yeah, maybe not. But at the same time, it's like, you know, um, the guy talks so much about like, you know, wanting creative freedom and wanting to own your own character and things like that. I, I, you know, if you sign to the WWE, you're not going to be doing much except, you know, uh, the occasional job match, um, maybe a producer role in the future, something like that. Certainly. Or do you want that one last run on top? 
Yeah, I mean, the guy looks to be in, like, he's gotten himself in, in like, great shape. Like, he looks great. Um, mm-hmm. You know, it, it seems like a guy that certainly wants to have that fu- that final run. So it's just, it's, you know, that's, it, it's one thing to talk about leaving. But when you see that offer in front of you, that's, that's very hard to walk away from that. Um, when, you know, you're looking at, you know, I might only, I could be one injury away from all of this ending. This is guaranteed money. I've got a family. It's uh, it's 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 a very tough decision to make. I, I would think. Mm-hmm. Then we went uh, to the back. Sarah Schreiber was with Ruby Riot, and she said that Liv Morgan was her best friend, and she knows the real Liv Morgan. She's a puppy dog, and she might be able to change her hair and her clothes. And says that she will strike when she's ready. Well, Liv will always be a follower who I had to babysit and needed to put in her place. She strikes when I say so. And I think Byron encapsulated this best by saying that's a cryptic explanation. <laughs> so so she like destroyed a friendship with her best friend because her best friend um felt decided like she was able that to- she can think for herself. Yeah. I thought that I thought it was a pretty weak explanation for a heel turn and not to mention like the thing was executed way too soon. I think really like I would have just paired these two up as a tag team for a bit, maybe have them challenge for the tag team belts even and then have Ruby turn several months later to just make me, you know, care at least a little. There I just fa- found that they were like really blowing through it right now. The explanation was no good. The turn really was no good. And I think coming out of it, it's like a feud between supposed best friends that I feel zero emotional weight for. Can you imagine if the, if this was what they did with with Cody and MJF? Yes, yes. You know what I mean? Like he you've you've to got break to break out you, on his own. You've got to build up the connection before you do a turn, so people really have people are legitimately sad when the turn comes because mm. you've. You've become fans of these people and you can see like a kinship between them. And to do it like this, it's just the the cliche turn. So from there, we go to Alistair Black, Akira Tozawa. This one, um, a hmm. state of affairs for Akira Tozawa where he finds himself in, in this role. Really, all uh, the 205 guys, yep. right? I mean, any, any, two, any smaller guy who gets called up, I mean, essentially, this is their role right now, unfortunately. Yeah, not much to this. Tozawa got a missile drop kick before he was hit with a pop-up knee and the Black Mass. A minute 28. But the main event of this entire show was Aleister Black getting the microphone. And if you'll indulge me, Way. Yes, please. I'm looking forward to this. I have enjoyed these past few weeks being able to share these intimate moments with you. I appreciate each and every person here tonight because that is what it's all about. I know a thing or two about rebelling against paradise, but I'm starting to feel like an animal inside of a cage. So he then proceeds to sit down as the lights are dimmed for the poet. So for those of you that venture out here, Know that it's not me who is in there with you. It is you who shall be trapped inside of this metaphoric cage with 
me. Dude, I don't know what this guy is talking about. It gets crazier every week. Can can you repeat some of those? Let's let's try yes. to do it. Yeah, our let's best break here. this down. Let's break this down, okay? Uh I know a thing or two about rebelling against paradise. But rebelling I'm starting against paradise. Okay, what does that mean? Rebelling like, against paradise. Like a wonderful upbringing that he just felt was too constraining uh, to his outward personality, to his likes, to the so, people he hung out with. Yeah, so 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 yeah, he he feels like um Life was maybe too easy, and and he got too comfortable. So he's Mm -hmm. rebelling against it. Okay. But I'm starting to feel like an animal inside of a cage. Okay, maybe we can tackle that. Now, Now, here's the difficult one. Know that it's not me who is in there with you. It is you who shall be trapped inside of this metaphoric cage with me. So like that is a that is a direct opposite statement. It is not me is who is in there with you. It is you who is trapped inside with me. Right. Okay. I'm not so, with you. You you are trapped with me. I am. I don't know, dude. Uh. So you're. So I guess he's saying. Um. You're. It's. You know. I'm. You're not free. You're not actually free. You and I. We're not free. And he's not just here. In fact, we are trapped. We are both animals inside of a cage, but I am the Shayna Baszler of these animals. Right. Okay. So are we all rebelling against paradise? Um, I just don't know how those two link. I know something, a thing or two about rebelling against paradise, but I feeling like I'm being trapped in a cage. (laughs) Um, In, In spite of all his rage. That's the other show. Right. Um, fuck, man. You know, if you have a theory, everybody, please weigh in. Um, I think we need a whole team. I need. I think we need um, a whole investigative unit to try to decipher these words. I don't have an answer, but if we play sliding doors and they had gone the Alistair Black direction instead of Drew McIntyre, to hear this Jesus. guy waxing poetic on Brock Lesnar and Brock having to react to him, that would have been some some fine television. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that would be great. Mr. Lesnar, I see that you have been inside the literal cage while my metaphoric cage is going to entrap you at WrestleMania. (laughs) See, I think it would be a promo battle between he and Paul Heyman, which I think would be interesting because... You'd be, I'd, I'm sure somebody, like, you know, when Heyman does this type of thing, it makes sense. I get, I understand the point, but like, I man, with Alistair, it's just, I feel like sometimes he's playing like, you know, um, maybe he's like dyslexic and he's just reading all the words in a different order. Maybe it's know, all but- words that could be rearranged to make up a proper sentence. This dude should just be kicking guys' heads off their shoulders. I think they're getting way too complicated with a very easy kick-ass character that doesn't need a whole lot of deep thought put into him. I agree. I agree. I mean, I think it's good to say something just to, like, you know, show off your personality, but it doesn't need to be anything complicated. And this was certainly – this is the most complicated um, dialogue I've, I think we have on the show. We either have, like, dialogue that's way too stupid 
or dialogue that's way too complex. The ambulance returns and Becky walks into the arena. She comes in after the break. Her neck is all bandaged up and she insinuates that she was given painkillers. So she calls out Shayna. You want to sink your little rat's teeth into my flesh just to get my attention? There's your soundbite for the WrestleMania promo package. (laughs) She says that she has run through all of them, made them pay. She will break Baszler down week by week, and she better find Becky before Becky finds her. And to her credit, I thought this was a very good promo coming off of our ridiculous angle from earlier. And I think a... You know, for for those that kind of complained about the the self-doubting Becky Lynch going into the Oscar program that I didn't have a big problem with. Um, This is like the kick-ass Becky Lynch that I think was part of like her initial appeal for so many people. And at least it was a means to an end to, to get here. And I'm hoping that this kind of course corrects itself where we now just get Becky and Shayna, the two badasses that are going to face off at WrestleMania and we get no more... um, teeth and chunks of necks being ripped out of their their bodies her sense of confidence is her main act like this type of you know overconfident the main promo is like what makes the character the man so uh yeah she continues to do that great i liked it I could do without all that other shit in between of her uh, fighting to go to an ambulance driving back to an ambulance why do something so elaborate have her okay even if you have to have somebody bite her the neck like a vampire you could do that just have her go away for two hours and then come back and cut at the promo why did you need all that bullshit in the middle it's just their way to make her feel like this badass it's um oh she's so badass she could drive wow i mean maybe she was driving in uh standard as well so maybe you know that's a that's a trait do you mean uh, wow uh, I don't know. Are, are ambulances like that? I don't I've know. never driven an ambulance, so. See, I, I figured you wouldn't want that extra, uh, you know, s- skill, like uh, that extra obstacle if you're driving something so. <laughs> Can you imagine the vignettes? Like, we cut the Becky and she's got, like, her map out and from the glove compartment. It's like, where is this damn amb- this damn hospital? She gets lost in, in California. Yeah. Final match was Seth Rollins, Murphy, and oh, AOP. We- we also had a, a new match announcement for uh, Super Showdown. Did a two-week mountain gauntlet. I, I totally missed this. I must yeah, have fast-forwarded through the commercial and missed this. This was a new gauntlet match they announced, and uh, some of the participants, I believe, are like... Uh, uh, what is it here? It looks like um, AJ Styles, R-Truth, Rusev, Andrade making a return, Bobby Lashley, Eric Rowan. So... This is well, all. Well, that's the- that's notable that AJ Styles is back already. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, so Rusev was, will be there. Yeah, it was um, it was thought like he was uh, going to try and be back in time for WrestleMania, and it sounds like he's made a tremendous recovery if he's being advertised for uh, Saudi Arabia. Yes, yes, and also Andrade, of course, uh, his suspension is set to to expire before that. So, right, right. this is for the Tuwake Mountain Trophy and. The Tuwake Mountain is a series, it's like a notable landmark in Saudi Arabia. So that's what it's all about. Our truth is in this. Oh, yeah. He's got a 24 um, documentary. Yeah, I think that uh, will actually be really interesting. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. So main event, 
uh, Rollins went to speak. They all attacked him, and everyone brawled all over the place. They got the heat on Kevin Owens for a long period of time, built up to him tagging Joe, who ran wild on Seth Rollins, hit him with a Manhattan drop, sent on. Then the Viking Raiders dump AOP to the floor, setting up a triple tope suicida with the Viking Raiders and Joe to the floor. Everyone takes turns laying each other out. We're down to Rollins and Joe. Owens does a dive off the top to everybody on the floor, and Joe applies the coquina clutch. Murphy, though, is the legal man with the blind tag, and Joe releases the coquina clutch, applies it onto Murphy, but the referee is dealing with AOP when Murphy taps out, and Rollins capitalizes, stomp to Joe, and Murphy, just Murphy, beats Joe. Well, kind of. I mean, with like Murphy... Murphy tapped out, had the visionary tap, and then it was Rollins that, you know, hit the stomp mid-choke. So um, I, I thought this was a really good WWE-style multi-man match. They certainly have their formulas down, um, and I think the crowd reacted really well for it. I, I would say it was so textbook that it came complete with your expected result of the hometown guy losing here, as well as the 205 guy taking the visionary fall um, not necessarily looking great out of it either. But the match was really good. These four, I think, are great together. I would really love to see more variants of these eight together. Gimmick matches, elimination matches. They've all got, like, you know, great heavyweight chemistry with one another. Yeah, um, I really like this episode of Raw overall, save for the the silly Shayna Baszler angle, which I, I think that could drag a lot of people. That was the biggest thing on the show, so that that wasn't a positive. But I thought some of the promos were very good on this show. I really enjoyed Becky and Asuka together. Um, I think they're doing a good job with like the, the WrestleMania matches that they're pushing. I think Randy Orton and Matt Hardy was a great segment together. Drew McIntyre really is starting to feel like a top babyface on the show. Um and the biggest thing for Raw, it's the pacing of Raw has gotten way better. Like they, this show moves a lot faster than it was for the longest time. It's true. It's gotten, it, it has become a better show. I really, I think, feel the drag. And I think maybe some of that has to do with the, perhaps a lack of Rusev and Lashley stuff um, at this time, uh, at this point in time. So uh, I, I think there were some really strong promo segments with Matt Hardy and MVP in particular. A really great match in Asuka versus Becky Lynch. Good main event as well, save for perhaps the finish, but that's, you know, what they do. Um, I really didn't like a lot of the stuff that they were doing with Rhea Ripley on this show. Mm-hmm. Um, I thought that was kind of weak with, with just the, her dialogue and how different she sounded. I was not a fan of the... Of the of the Shayna Baszler thing, but you know what? I I could see plenty of people actually enjoying that just for the spectacle of it. So for me, more of a mixed bag of a show, but I, I think there were some really high strengths as well. All right, let's go to the forum here. And tonight's show got a six point eight two from the forum voters. Paul from New Jersey writes, the Monday Night Messiah is slowly replacing the big dog for most annoying phrase on WWE television. With that being said, I really enjoyed the show overall. Becky Oscar was great, and the aftermath was greater. Who bites people? Thoroughly enjoyed Becky's selling. Despite being oh. booked in... <laughs> That'll raise ways higher. I disagree. Uh, despite being booked in some of the worst promo segments in the company, the Street Profits not only received the pop, there was a We Want the Smoke chant. Good on them. Ruby Riot cut a killer promo. MVP sounded really good, and Riddick Moss won with a seven count. Overall, a solid show that advanced storylines and had some good matches. I'm a Sarah Logan guy. 7.5. Finally, Andrew from Cape Breton says, I thought it was... (laughs) 
We only have two pieces of feedback for this, if that tells you anything about yeah. this edition of Raw. Andrew from Cape Breton says, I thought it was very appropriate that they had the new Sonic the Hedgehog movie sponsor a match with Ricochet. They have a lot in common. They're both fast. They both do cool spinning moves. And both are much better when they're not talking. Raw was a pretty good show tonight and seemed to flow as well as a three-hour Raw can. The weirdest part was a zombie Shayna attack. They definitely have weird ways of getting blood. Not to be all back in my day kids, but back in my day kids, Bret Hart would hide his blade jobs and just say, Oops, hard way. We need more magicians in wrestling like that. I wanted to look up a kayfabe reason as to why you would bite somebody at the top of the spine, but I couldn't find any. Maybe she was giving Becky a hickey and it went horribly wrong. Lots of people did look great tonight, like MVP, Angel, Garza, and Rhea Ripley. So, 7 out of 10 show. I know I mentioned this on Twitter, but I would love to hear an Alistair Black promo done in the voice of Zack Sabre Jr. <laughs> uh, I, I got to see his uh, his latest promo with uh, after after the Osaka card. Oh, how was it? Uh, the highlight was uh, after he beats Will Ospreay to prove he's the best wrestler, uh, the best British wrestler. I expect to get a call from the Queen to tell me I'm the best British wrestler. And I'm going to tell her, piss off. I know I'm the best. <laughs> He's it's awesome. So good. You're so good at it. He, he, uh, he, his are my favorite promos in wrestling right now. Well, no I one, mean. No one tops Zach. Alistair uh, Black has a special place in my heart, but Zach is still number one. Okay, if you're talking, I guess, impressions, yeah. But, I mean, the Hiromu Takahashi oh. promo, if you want to call it that, that you talked about last night that I finally checked out was a must-see, really. Like, dude, uh, that promo was for you. That to me was oh. I watched that I was like you of all people were gonna love this thing it was amazing gonna, do do you think he did that off the top of his head like those lyrics oh, or do man, you think he had something really, envisioned because that I, that was almost too good to just be off the top of your head completely yeah I mean I I would have to imagine maybe he had this idea beforehand and just decided to execute it here because it was just like he went on and on and on but I mean you know I I, I wouldn't doubt that he would have sick freestyle abilities. That guy. So you had the best observation. You had the best observation, though. The star of that, like Hiromu's the star, but that segment is so much better because of Suga Bayashi. Oh, he's the best. He's like the most straight man, like they could possibly get for these things. And anytime <laughs> Hiromu's doing something, just to see his reaction to like, <laughs> he he'll, he'll never show teeth ever. Okay, that's like that. That would be like him losing his shit if he ever anti Shayna. <laughs> no yeah that's right like so like the slightest thing would be just a smirk if you can at least get him the smirk i think you know that's that's that man enjoying life so some phenomenal promos going on in new japan uh if you go seek those out all right uh that's gonna wrap up the show tuesday night way and nate are here with the mcu review of black panther so you can go check that out uh, i'll be back wednesday night with way for rewind to dynamite uh go catch the entire schedule loaded shows coming up this week at postwrestling.com so for Wei, I am John. Thank you, everybody. Goodbye. Protect your neck. <laughs>